Did everyone get when that Sunday of Easter falls? Did you miss that? If you missed it, it's too late. You'll never. Oh no, you can Google it now. Okay, so before there was Google, you would read. You would read the list of the changeable feasts. These are feast days that, beginning with Easter, don't have the same date every year. Easter, in particular, follows like the Hebrews. I think the Jewish people. I think we we stick with them with the lunar calendar. Either way, it changes. So at the end of Christmas, they had to announce. Okay, here's Easter. Uh, rewind 40 days, there's Ash Wednesday. And then going forward, Pentecost and the feast that will follow until the first Sunday of Advent. Just to make sure you can change your calendars accordingly and, and be well planned for the year ahead. But now you can Google it and it's all automatic. But um, it's Christmas and it's the Epiphany, which is between that and especially the baptism of our Lord, which this year is tomorrow. It's the end of the Christmas season. All these beautiful lights and decorations, they're all going away. Actually, they're going away at 1 o'clock today, if you'd like to help us out. We could use a few extra hands moving Christmas trees. Um, but it's the end of the Christmas season. And I just would like to take up again, because it is the Feast of the, the Magi from the East and their foreign religion coming to find their God and the Savior of the Jewish people, I want to reiterate, Christmas is for everyone. Christ offers himself to everyone. Christ comes to gather, emphasis on that word, gather everyone that's what the word church refers to is that dynamic process of god beginning from from the fall trying to again gather the people to himself scattered everywhere and the magi they're not jews they're not christians and yet they too follow their religion a little bit and it leads them beyond itself to the jewish faith to the christ child himself Little parentheses, or a big parentheses. Anybody listening to the catechism in a year with Father Mike Schmitz? Raise your hands, be proud, be proud. I encourage it. When's the last time you read your catechism, Catholic? No, it's got so much dust on it, I haven't seen it in, in decades. Read it, there's so much there. But I want to say it begins with a lot. It actually starts with a disclaimer. It's like, before we even bother writing a 600-page catechism, whatever many pages you have, can we even speak accurately about God and religion. Can we do that? Is man capable? And so it begins up, those first few chapters that we've been finishing, mankind is capable of knowledge of God. Mankind is kapax dei, made for God, capable of God. In fact, in his very nature, within his very nature, he has a longing to know his origins and his purpose. Who made me? Why am I here? Why am I going through these hard times? Where do I find fulfillment or happiness? It's written in the very nature of mankind. Aristotle, long before Jesus, Aristotle would say that um, if something is universal in place and time, it's not by a particular culture or artificial, it's natural. Because it's beyond particular places and times. So when you look around the world and you find ruins of tombs and temples, there is a natural sense in every single culture that there's something more to this life than this life. There's something out there beyond the visible material that we're looking for. That sense of God has been in every culture from the very beginning. Man is not only capable of God, man is made for God and is looking for God. It is true, God is self-evident and at least partially reflected in the universe and creation that he has made. And reason can perceive God. Think about it, we see it in creation, we see the order in creation. 
In biology, you see that structures in animals, they're not random, they fit functions in animals. In it's, it's just amazing to see that. There's beauty, there's harmony. And because we're so used to harmony, we recognize quickly when there's disharmony. We have our own human conscience, our appetite for justice, fairness, goodness, a right order in our actions. And we recognize a wrong order because we're so used to the right one. It's so prevalent. And even if you're just a random thing, but like musicians recognize that music is so mathematic. It's like the Creator made, made it that way. He's a mathematician, he's a musician, he's an artist. We can say things about God. I'll come back to that, but I want to leave aside the planets. Astronomy is fascinating. They can look at how mathematical it is, how perfect it is. When's the last time the Earth was hit by another planet? Been a long time. <laughs> amazing! Like, that should be amazing. I mean, it's too bad science today makes us like, oh yeah, it has to happen that way. No, it doesn't. It's amazing that he's made it that way. And our reason recognizes and perceives from creation evidence of a creator. And our words, even our human words, this is where Father Mike Smith left off last week, a few days ago, can speak of God accurately, although partially. Our human words try to describe him in ways that things that we're familiar with, but we're talking about someone who we're not familiar with, so they're, actually St. Thomas Aquinas would say he's more unlike than like, but there's still a likeness in our human comparisons, our human words to describe God, who is a judge, he's a father, he's a jealous God in some ways, but, but in a way that our words don't fully grasp. But we can use our words to talk about God. So the Creator made all people capable of seeking Him and coming to know Him, but of ourselves, with our limited, and especially now our broken, human reason, we're limited to kind of, excuse me, sneeze, <coughs> kind of speculate about someone without them speaking to us. You know, everyone, look at me. If I don't say anything, you can judge me. You can, you know, take your observations. And you'll each have your own opinion about what I'm thinking about right now, what I'm talking about, what my intentions are. You can't know a person until what? until they talk to you, until they share their heart with you. And so, of our, left to ourselves, we do have ideas about God, and they're not just pure subjective opinions, like I like strawberry, you like pizza, and it's totally subjective. There's some evidence there that we are built upon, our, our, our knowledge is built upon. But at some point, and so where Father Mike Schmitz is getting to today, the next chapter in the Catechism, at some point in our history, in a very direct, way. God himself speaks, has spoken, has unveiled his hidden mystery, has revealed himself, his heart. And historically, we know this, it begins with the Jews, the children of Abraham. God began to reveal himself to them. And I just got back from uh, Jerusalem, and it's interesting. Of all the major religions, you think of like, like Jewish Judaism, Christianity, Islam, like that's a huge population. And you can sit there, like, I think that's probably most of the human population. Anyway, you can sit there and think they all have their own religions, right? Isn't it weird that they all agree that Abraham is super important, the roots of all of them, and Jerusalem is super important. I don't know, it's kind of fascinating that they would all agree, like totally different religions, and yet they might all agree. Well, not totally different, that's my point. But they have some serious things in common. In the letter to the Hebrews, the New Testament, whoever it was who penned that letter, says, 
In ages past, God spoke to us in many and varied ways through the prophets and other you know, voice boxes. But today, He's spoken to us through His Son, the fullness of that revelation. And today we celebrate with the epiphany, with Jesus, <laughs> the epiphany that it was not limited to the Jewish people. Yes, they are the chosen people. They are the beloved people of God. Everyone, we understand that that's our origins. But you might say that like, more like a chosen vessel from which everyone can drink. Salvation is from the Jews. But it's through them for everyone. A lot of times <clears throat> we get hung up on the question of religion or religions. Is it okay to think that one is right? Is it okay to think that others might be, I don't know, wrong or to quote the movie Megamind, less right? Each ideology, every ideology, that's what an ideology is. Every ideology, every religion, the people had that conviction. The Greeks, for example, polytheistic, you know, Zeus and Athena, all these things, like they believed that all their gods of the Areopagus were the gods and they were leading them to defeat their enemies, the other gods and the other peoples and cultures. Theirs were stronger. The Romans, among many ideas in their religion, they taught that the Caesar would become God. And you had to worship him and offer incense to that statue of Julius Caesar or Augustus Caesar. And if you didn't, you were martyred. Which is why hundreds of Christians were martyred. They wouldn't do it. But the Romans thought, ours is right. And if you don't submit, you're wrong. The Aztecs and some Far Eastern ancient religions had a strong sense that the gods demand human sacrifice. Satanism is a religion. What does it teach? Well, we won't go there, but it's there. Atheism, or I guess secularism today, teaches that, and this is a deep conviction in secular society, no one really knows, and secularism kind of judges all religions are just kind of limited, or they're all kind of wrong, or they're all kind of right, it doesn't matter. That's their conviction, that's their belief, that's their creed. But bear with me, the little parentheses here too. Um, I think secularism wants to say that they're all wrong, or they're all right, it doesn't matter, and it's wrong, therefore, for one religion, to tell others that they may be wrong, since nobody really knows. And I want you to see that in doing so, secularism is actually doing just that. They're saying that a religion is wrong, which they said you couldn't do. So it's the, it's the, it's the problem with secularism. It's the problem with that is why I'm not a secularist, because it's just it's hypocrisy, hypocrisy to say that you can't judge as they're judging. Anyway. I saw there was a movie, Trolls 2, that was kind of silly and kind of wrong, but it was like every single little culture of the animals, or the trolls, had their own magic musical chord, and they all worshipped it or whatever, or believed in it, and they came to understand at the end of the movie that, oh, there's no such, they're all, they're all fake. That really, you were the god, you're the magic. I don't know, just thought that was kind of weird. But that's secular society, that's a secular mindset. That again, says we're right, and everyone else is wrong. So how do you do that? Can you do that? And I was just kind of, I'm not going to answer that question, it's pretty deep, but... I want to, parentheses, when you're the Spanish Franciscans and you come to Mexico in 14, whatever, 1500s, and you see the Aztecs offering human sacrifice, telling the people the gods demand this, do you sit there and do nothing because you're not supposed to judge? Or didn't your God, Jesus Christ, said what you didn't do for the least of my brothers and sisters, namely the victims being sacrificed, you didn't do for me? Are you supposed to sit there and have no opinion? They often say religion is divisive. I like to say the human element 
Like, pride is divisive. Another footnote, but we're in the, um, it's really kind of sad, actually, but in the Holy Sepulchre, where Jesus was buried, it has to be split because of past trauma between various Christian groups, the Greek Orthodox, the Christians, rather the Catholics, the um, Armenians. It's split because they can't get along. It's pitiful after centuries of that. Is it their religion that tells them not to get along? Or doesn't their religion tell them exactly to get along and it's their pride that keeps them from being one united? Now some people are quick to say, oh, religion is divisive. No, no, no. I think it's a little deeper problem in the human heart that causes more division. Anyway, what the Magi teach us as Christians is that Christmas is for everyone. Christ came to everyone. Christ sent his apostles. It was actually hard for them at first to recognize, not just to the Jewish people, but to everyone. Remember the episode in the Acts of the Apostles where Peter encounters the Roman pagan centurion Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to Cornelius, and Peter has to recognize, oh, salvation, heaven, is meant for everyone. And I have to therefore bring this message to everyone which is really uncomfortable at the, in those days for a Jewish person to sit and eat with pagans. We say it so many times, our Lord loves us so much that he meets us right where we are. But he loves us too much to leave us there. So wherever there are elements of truth and goodness in other religions, for a Christian, these elements are to be affirmed. Read what St. Paul says, you know, it's, it's, it's important. Brothers and sisters, you have heard of the stewardship. I'm the manager. The stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for your benefit and for all people. It's for everyone. Yes, the church is that vessel. With the Jewish people, that vessel, but it's for everyone. Keep in mind, the Magi, how do they find Jesus Christ? through their own religion, leading them to its limits. The star, their astrologers, their dreamers, through the star and through their dreams, they're led to the limits of that religion as they seek out the promised one, the one their own religion seemed to be telling them about somehow. And it led them beyond its own bounds of their religion to the Jewish faith, and the Jewish faith led them to the Christ child. And what did they do before that Christ child. They bowed before their God. Their religion led them as well, as far as it could, reached its limits, and they were led beyond to the fullness of the truth. And they worshiped that true God. Just food for thought. Our Lord's attitude towards every person, be they Christian, Catholic, Jewish, Satanist, atheist, secularist, whatever. What is his attitude towards every person? That they are loved and called, invited into a communion with him. Whether they receive or reject is up to them, but the invitation is for everyone. Everyone. What is Jesus' attitude towards every idea? Religious idea, ideological idea? That there are good ideas and there are bad ideas. There are true ideas, and there are false ideas. There are close ideas that just need a little bit of a, a shift to actually become, they, they see in themselves, their own full, they're, le they're led to a greater light. So where religious ideas have truth in them, our Lord is the first to affirm that. 
But we see some of the things that happen throughout the ages, some teachings out there in, in other cultures that, I don't know, human sacrifice is a hard one to swallow. Satanic worship is a hard one to swallow. Our Lord doesn't affirm that, even as he affirms the person. And it is important, like, for Jesus Christ, when we're doing the catechism a year, you look at the catechism, what is Jesus' attitude towards those ideas that he gave to the apostles and that his Holy Spirit guided the apostles to apply in so many different changing circumstances? It's his. He affirms it. Now, does every Catholic live perfectly, that catechism? Do you know bishops, priests, Catholic laity who have really pitifully failed to live the teachings? How long is that confession line sometimes? Because we need it. We messed up. But I do find that every time we accuse the, 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 the Catholic individual of doing a terrible thing, oh, I can't believe the bishop so-and-so did this, or, or, or you know, Mrs. Smith the Catholic, she's such a hypocrite and a gossiper. Well, those things that she's doing that are wrong are affirming the Catholic faith that says, yes, those things are wrong. But the Catholic faith remains there for those who would follow it. I think it was Mahatma Gandhi, sorry, I think it was Gandhi who said, um, how beautiful the Catholic religion how sad its followers don't live it. But it's there. Our Lord gave us that path, that way, that truth, and the life meant for everyone. Christmas is for everyone. We simply ask the Holy Spirit to help us to be who we're called to be. Everyone, wherever they are, to be who they're called to be and to be open, like the Magi, to however God may want to reach them to lead them to the fullness that he wanted to give them. Keep this in mind, like, does everyone need to be saved? Did Jesus come for everyone? If everyone didn't need to be saved because we're doing just fine by ourselves, then Jesus would have said, I don't need to come. You guys are doing just fine. You follow your way, you follow your way, you're doing good. He came because we needed a Savior. And that Savior is offered to everyone. And everyone is challenged by his message to change their ways especially their pride, their selfishness. But we're challenged to live according to His way. When He dares to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And each one of us, all of us, are invited to say, Lord, become my way, my truth, my life. And where my life reflected you faithfully and was concorded in accordance with you, help me to continue that. Where my life did not go according to your ways, then I leave behind old ways to embrace your way. I know there's a lot there, but I think it's important that the Epiphany reminds us Christmas is for everyone, and so many throughout the world have found in Christ that gift. And the times they haven't found it, sometimes it's because it wasn't lived out the right way. And they found scandal instead of love. They found judgment and criticism instead of compassion and mercy. They found wavering confusion and, and all sorts of opinions instead of the convinced truth that our Lord gave us. I invite us to realize that salvation, God's gift, is meant for you, but don't keep it to yourself. Because it's meant through you to the entire world. Know it, live it faithfully, change what needs to change, and allow our Lord to continue to offer the gift of Christmas, the gift of His salvation, to every people, to every nation, to every person. Amen? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.